Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Fear Not. We can all identify with fear, but it's what we do with this fear that matters. During this series, we'll learn how to overcome some common fears with the power of God. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Well, this morning is the last message in this series that we called Fear Not, and we're looking at overcoming the fear of losing control. Um, So I want to start this morning with one woman's real life story. My daughter Allison came home for the weekend. She opened the door, didn't speak, and dropped her duffel bag. Smears of mascara circled her eyes, and I whispered a God, please, no prayer. Come tell me about your classes as I patted the sofa. Got to take a shower, Allison said. As she clomped upstairs, I analyzed the recent changes in her. Complaints of not having enough money, rarely answering the phone, weight loss, pinpoint pupils, and a who-gives-a-rip personality. So I searched her purse. I found a pipe and the unmistakable sweet smell of pot, and my heart fluttered wildly like a bird stuck inside my chest. She plodded down the stairs, her hair in a towel, wearing the same wrinkled clothes. Be still and talk in a sweet voice, I told myself. You must convince her to stop. We need to talk, honey. Not now, I'm tired. I found your pipe. She stared at me with death row eyes. Chill, it's not that big a deal. The tightness in the den was suffocating. I I needed air. Want to go for a walk, I asked, like we used to do? Whatever. I knew I could talk some sense into her. Honey, please, you've got to stop. I grabbed her hand. Mom, she jerked away. Honey, we have a strong family history. You don't want to... And I never got to finish the sentence. Allison stormed out of the room and within minutes she was headed back to college. I knew what I had to do. Abandon everything in my life and start to worry, fix, and control this full time. I began spending my days by the phone. I evaluated Allison's reactions, gestures, and comments. Thoughts circled my mind like buzzards. What if she never stops? What if I never see her again? What if she overdoses or goes to jail? I lured Allison into therapy by promising we'd go to an Italian restaurant before visits. Her first appointment day arrived. She played with her spaghetti and I couldn't eat. So what do you plan to say to the counselor, I asked. How should I know? When they called her name at the office, I hurried in to make sure the counselor understood, but Allison refused to sign for me to have any information. I considered eavesdropping, but there were too many people around. An hour later, she walked out, and I paid. What'd you talk about? Just stuff. Our therapy lunch charade continued for a few weeks. Then Allison's sister informed me that she was still using. She denied it. She refused to see the counselor. She dropped out of college and she stopped answering my calls. I was convinced if I forgot about Allison, even for a second, or enjoyed anything, something bad might happen. 
Several months later, after another night of little sleep, I glanced in the mirror. I could have passed for the addict, dark circles under hopeless eyes. I called my friend Linda. Her son, also an addict, had been sentenced to state prison. You can't imagine all that's going on here, I said. Come over for coffee, she urged. I wanted to stand guard at home, but, but knew she'd listen and understand. Hey, girlfriend, Linda hugged me. I didn't touch my coffee as I, I blurted the saga. Linda didn't sweet talk. You need help. You haven't heard the whole story, I argued. I'm fine. My daughter, she needs help. You're addicted to worry and to control, Linda said. I've been where you are. The only one you can control is yourself. The possibility that she might be right terrified me. It took me years to realize that I'm not in charge. God is, Linda admitted. By worrying, you're telling God he can't handle things. Go to Al-Anon with me, she said. I'd heard of Al-Anon but didn't see how it applied to me. But I agreed because I was in awe of Linda. I didn't open my mouth during the whole meeting, but every word spoken sounded like my own thoughts. I'm worried. I've worried myself sick about my husband, one woman said. My peace comes only when I let go and let God, another said. And then the speaker said, to change, you'll have to leave behind some familiar lifelong habits. But how? I thought, this is who I am. This is what I do. An alcoholic can't drink. And those of us in this room can't allow an ounce of worry, she said. For us, it's every bit as dangerous and addictive as a drink is to an alcoholic. Worry robs us of serenity. I didn't think change was possible. Not for me. But I knew one thing for sure. My worrying was destroying my life. That night at home, I got real. I said, God, help me. I can't do this without you. And so I began to ask God every morning to help me. And I whispered, not my job every time worry or fear or control tried to needle its way back in. Do you struggle with a need for control? Do you fear losing control? Our fears of losing control don't have to be as dramatic as this mom's was with dealing with her child's addiction, but many of us fear not being able to control things because of very, very personal issues, like we don't feel like we have enough money. We fear not being able to pay the bills. We fear not knowing about the future, so we fear the unknown. We fear the direction our government is taking our country. We fear letting go of things and letting God be in control. This morning, I want to remind you of the truth that we've affirmed over the past three weeks. God speaks to our fears time and time through his word in scripture. God tells us to have no fear, to fear not. God doesn't want us to fear rejection or to fear failure 
or to fear intimacy or, or to fear not being in control. But here's the deal. The, the problem with fearing not being in control is we play the what if game. Playing the what-if game is a fast track to becoming consumed by worry. You know, something crosses your mind and you say, well, what if such and such happens? I know it firsthand. Years ago, I had some pretty major surgery. And uh, the couple of years following that surgery, I found myself back in the hospital with complications due to the surgery. It was uh, uh, frustrating, nerve-wracking, produced a lot of fear and anxiety. And I remember specifically uh, the fall before I was planning a trip to go to Israel. I was at a UConn football game. I was sitting in the stadium with my son. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this thought crossed my mind. What if you have to go to the hospital when you're in Israel? Whoa. What would I do? My heart started racing. I got anxious. I wanted to get out of the stadium, but I didn't want my son to know that I was feeling all of this anxiety. Then I realized this was a panic attack. I had never experienced it. And and so I didn't know what to do. And I was in fear of becoming overwhelmed. And so I just thought, you need to pray. And I started to pray. And slowly... My heart rate decreased and that desire to run out of that stadium went away and everything sort of calmed down. But I realized it was because I was trapped in playing that what if game that it really allowed fear to come rushing in. This is what I learned that day. We need to take our mind off the what-ifs of fear. So if if you wrestle with control, here's what you need to do. Take your mind off the what-ifs of fear. You can't play the what-if game. And and Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that we are prone to do this. In fact, he spoke to his disciples at, at a very anxious time. This was just before the Last Supper. They didn't know what was coming, but they knew that he was the Messiah and they knew that he was going to bring some amazing changes. And so this is what he began to tell them. And think for yourself, if this wouldn't be fear and anxiety producing, he said, listen, nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors, all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. You think they felt anxious? You think they felt fear? You think they wondered what they'd gotten themselves into? But but Jesus went on. And he gave him these instructions that I believe are instructions for us. He said, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. See, we don't need to play the what if game. 
We need to trust Jesus. We need to trust that He's going to be with us. He knows what's coming and He's going to guide us and direct us. And if we need words to speak, to testify to our faith in Him, He will give it to us. If we need to walk in faith instead of fear, He will embolden us to do that. You know, He's saying, listen, don't worry. Don't get caught in the what-if game. Don't spiral down into a worry, panic attack. Instead, He's saying, trust me. And I'll give you what you need. So he says, make up your mind not to worry. And instead to trust me. He said that to the disciples and the same goes for us. We need to make up our minds not to worry before anything. Because you know what? We're going to have troubles in this world. Jesus said it. He said, in this world you will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. I suspect everybody in this room has something that they could worry about. Everybody in this room could say, I've got a trouble. But Jesus said, listen, I've overcome the world. Trust me, I will be with you. Jesus addressed this whole idea of worry uh, years before. When, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7, he, he, he breaks off into this whole section about worry. And I'm not going to read it to you because I can summarize it with one verse. He says this, Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Worry adds nothing good to our lives. It takes away a lot. Peace of mind and trust. The driving emotion behind worry is fear. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses people's fears about the basic necessities of life. He, he gets really right down to brass tacks and he, and he says, listen, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to worry about being able to not control even the basic needs of your life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear. He said, listen, when you worry, you're trying to take control of things. You're trying to do God's job. And so he goes on and he points out, he says, listen, God provides food for the birds of the air and he clothes the fields with flowers. He says, if God does that for these small and insignificant things, how much more will he do that for you? Jesus is saying, listen, God's going to take care of you. Relax. Trust God. After all, you can't make things happen by worrying. So, we're supposed to take our mind off the what-ifs of fear. And here's what we need to replace that with. Put your mind on the promises of faith. You know, folks, as each year passes in our lives, we see changes in this world that we live in. Some of those changes are for better. Some of them are for worse. I was thinking about this this week. I got my first cell phone in 1999. That's been 20 years in 1999, there were 86 million cell phones in the United States. Today, there are over 265 million cell phones in the U.S. Of that, 237 million of them are smartphones. Smartphones are better than the old phones. We all have to admit that. And, and, you know, and right now in, 
in the season that Cynthia and I are in, it's a real blessing. Both of our kids are overseas. They're abroad. But through the, the benefit of cell phones, we can call, we can Skype, we can even uh, uh, we can have uh, video chats with them. And it doesn't cost us a thing. And we can stay connected even though they're thousands of miles away. What a blessing that technology is. But I think that technology also has a dark side. I think you've heard it. I've heard it many times. We've never been more connected in the history of the world, but never felt more disconnected from one another in the history of the world. This great technology seems to also have a dark side. And I've made a personal observation, one that seems to be verified by things I read about research. But in this same 20-year period from 1999 to 2019, where we've seen the rise of cell phones and connectedness, we've also seen an incredible increase in people dealing with fear and with anxiety and mental health issues. Now, look, I'm not a scientist. I can't make the direct connection, but I have to wonder. There was a survey connected, uh, conducted by the American College Health Association in 2017 of college students. 40% of college students that year said they felt so depressed in the prior year that it was difficult for them to function. 61% of them said they felt overwhelming anxiety in the same time period. And we could reproduce study after study, not just about college students, on the increase of fear and worry and anxiety and mental health issues. Frankly, the reason we put this sermon series together was to help us as followers of Jesus to see how God and God's word tell us to handle fear and worry and anxiety. Now, uh, let me say this. If you struggle with anxiety and depression or mental health issues, there's no shame in that. All right. There's no shame in seeking out professional medical help. God gave us minds to be able to develop medicine and improve our health. So there's no issue whatsoever for followers of Jesus Christ using medicine to help us improve our health. But as followers of Jesus, we also know that God has promised us through the power of his Holy Spirit to be with us to walk with us and to give us power that we didn't think we have. He's given us his word to show us the promises that he's made to us that we don't have to feel fear and anxiety, that we can focus our minds off of fear and onto faith and trust in him. I want to give you three promises from God this morning. Three promises that you can use in your personal walk every day as you deal with fear or worry or anxiety that may come screaming in when you least expect it. Right in the middle of a football game or whatever. Here's the first one. It's from the prophet Isaiah. This is God uh, speaking and he tells us how if we focus on him, he will give us help. So um, the psalmist is speaking about God. He says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast 
Because they trust in you. When we steadfastly trust in Jesus, when we steadfastly trust in God, he will keep our minds in perfect peace. He will give us peace that anxiety cannot break through. So we need to steadfastly trust in God. In the book of Philippians, we have this promise. It's a promise that I've prayed for many people in the face of fear and anxiety. It says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is God's promise for us. It's his, our promise from him to claim for our lives. And then there's this theme verse that we've encouraged everybody to memorize this month. For God did not give, has not given us a, fear, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has promised to give us power to combat any fear that we face. He has given us love to deal with anything that makes us afraid. And he's given us a sound mind to be able to understand God's word and have the mind of Christ to combat anything that we fear. Do you struggle with the fear of losing control or anxiety or any kind of fear? This is my encouragement. Take these verses Take them and print them. Put them in a place where you can see them and read them regularly. Or better yet, memorize them so that you can pull them up whenever you need them. And you can claim them as promises and you can even pray them over the anxiety or the fear or the temptation to go in that direction that you may have. Here's the point. We can focus on trusting God or we can focus on our fears. We can focus on faith or we can focus on fear. You know, like that mom in the opening story, sometimes we make worry and our desire to control things into something that has a very real presence in our lives. That mom confessed that she became addicted to worrying. What would that kind of addiction look like? It would look like spending time perseverating on things that you have no control over. It would look like uh, worrying and obsessing over things. It would look like constantly trying to figure out ways to fix things that you can't fix. Years ago, I remember a pastor saying that anything in our lives that we spend more time focusing on than God is an idol in our lives. Humans have always struggled with idolatry. We see it in living color in the Old Testament. But the thing about an idol is that the idol in itself has no power. But what we give the thing that is an idol has great power. It has no power in itself, but we can give it power over our lives. We can give it our time. We can give it our mental energy. We can give it our focus. We can give it our resources. So I love this. I love what the prophet Jeremiah says. He, he addresses directly what we need to know about any type of idol. Remember, they're not idols of stone or of wood like they used to be. They're not necessarily anything that's physical in our lives, but they can be things that 
keep us distracted from God. And this is what Jeremiah said. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. And then he goes on and says about God, No one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. God is mighty in power over anything that would steal our focus from God, anything that would distract us from being faithful followers, anything that would cause us to fear instead of follow. So you need to focus on trusting God as you seek to, to deal with any fear or any anxiety that you ex experience. Let me share with you the, the postscript to that story of the mom and her daughter. Two years after that first Al-Anon meeting, Allison and I met for an impromptu lunch. She had gone back to the same therapist on her own. Mom, you can't imagine how easy it is to study when you're not high. Nope, <laughs> I guess I can't. I blinked back happy tears, she said. Thanks, Mom. For what, honey? When you didn't try to fix my problems, it really scared me. I ran out of money. I had to dig change out of the seat of my car for gas money. I had to go without food. I realized I needed to make a change. I'm making A's now. I've got a job. I got money. Folks, God has not given you a spirit of fear. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, he poured out his Holy Spirit in you and the Spirit gives you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You have the power to overcome anything that you're stressed or worried or anxious about through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to love like God loves. And you've been given a sound mind to have the mind of Christ instead of the mind of this world. So I want to close this service by praying a specific prayer. I want to take those scriptures that I've encouraged you to memorize, that I've encouraged you to print out and keep in a place to help you deal with your fears. And I want to pray them over you for your fear, for your anxiety, so that you can walk in the truth, that you don't have to focus on fear. You can focus on faith. So if you would, close your eyes and let me pray over you. Father, we thank you for the power and the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you that when we believed in Jesus, you poured out your spirit into us and the spirit gives us power and love and a sound mind. And so now, Lord, we claim that power to deal with any fear, any anxiety, any mental health issues. Lord, we pray the power of your Holy Spirit over all of our lives. Fear be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we claim the promises of Scripture that says you will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are steadfast in trusting you. We claim the promises we see in the New Testament where you tell us don't be anxious about anything. That in every situation, we can just bring it to you in prayer. We can petition you for help and you will hear our requests 
and you will give us the peace that transcends all understanding. And Lord, you will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So anxiety, so fear, so worry be gone in the name of Jesus. And Lord, fill us with your peace in his name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing this song and celebrate what we have in him? Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.